This is Attack of the 20th Century. Thank you for joining us as we explore science fiction, fantasy, and horror films of the 20th century. I'm your host, Jeff. And I'm your other host, Mike. Welcome to episode 38. We are reviewing the torture chamber of Dr. Sadism, also known as the Blood Demon, also known as the Snake Pit and the Pendulum. Make sure you look for us on Instagram and Facebook at Attack of the 20th Century. That's 20TH. We post our next movie selection there. You can comment, give your thoughts, and they just might make it on the air. Well, as you heard, Kim is actually taking the night off, and a familiar voice has spoken, Mr. Mike. Welcome back, Mike. Uh, Thank you very much, Jeff. I appreciate being invited back for a non-paranoia episode. Yes. (laughs) So last time... Now, help everyone remember the episodes you've helped. Okay. Uh, so, yes. Yeah, so, The Crow, which I actually had never seen. So, it was uh-huh. super fun to watch that and then okay. be able to comment on it. Um, the Thing, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. Yes. And um, both Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the 1956. 56, yeah. Yeah, 1956. And the 1978 yep. version of the movies, which right. I, I love Honestly, I loved both of them. So. Yeah, they're uh, both great. Yeah. But you made a joke last time that we only invite you for the paranoia episodes. <laughs> so we're going to do the torture chamber of Dr. Sadism today. There's some paranoia in there. Come on. Yeah, a, in there paranoia in every... <laughs> yeah, I guess so. In horror, right? <laughs> it's one of those staples. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, welcome back. Glad to have you. And as you know, we always ask, what have you been watching lately? So I've been to the theaters twice recently. I, usually mm-hmm. I talk about a show, but I've been yeah. to the theaters twice. And, That's right. Um, I have to say, I've, I've seen two movies recently, both of which have kind of disappointed me a little bit. Uh-oh. The first one was uh, Nope. Okay. Uh, which I was so excited about. I actually loved Get Out. Mm-hmm. thought it was a great movie. Um, was a little iffy on um, Jordan Peele's second movie, Us. Uh-huh. Um, there were some things in it I didn't really fully understand. Mm-hmm. And so this one looked great. I decided to go see it. Amazing directing, uh-huh. good visuals. Uh, I mean, a lot of good things about it. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I have to put it in the disappointed category because uh, there were things in the movie that you don't understand and you have to literally go home, mm-hmm. look up what other people are saying about it, how it connects to the story. And it was just, it was a little Quentin Tarantino ish. Okay. But not in a good way, I would say. Oh, um, a little disjointed. Yeah. Because usually with that type of movie, like everything connects it, it, it makes sense in the end. You understand and I totally was lost, and so were the other people that watched yeah. the movie with me. And you're a relatively smart guy. Uh, some people think so. You know, if you're one out of ten, you're definitely above the five line. So if you don't, <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, maybe a you might hug se- the five line. Yeah, but maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just kidding. Well. Yeah, you know, it's funny because the previews have been mixed, too. The first preview I saw looked like straight, scary yeah, horror we, film. Yeah, we commented on that, too. It's, yeah. Yeah. But then the second preview I saw looked like yuck, yuck comedy. Yep. And I was like, okay, what is this movie about? That's why I've been intrigued. I'd like to see it. So I'm a little disheartened by this review you've given. I mean, 
I never want to discourage people from going to see a movie. Uh-huh. I say, go see it, make up your own mind and, uh-huh. and enjoy it for what it is. Um, right. I can't say I totally did not enjoy the movie. Uh-huh. Like I said, it had great direction. It had some good lines. It had good, um, mm-hmm. good visuals. Um, mm-hmm. but ultimately it didn't come off as, as I was hoping it would. Oh, that's disappointing. Yeah. Now you mentioned you uh, there was a couple movies you've seen in the theater. What was the other? Yeah. One? So the second one I saw, which uh, to my disappointment, because I absolutely loved Thor Ragnarok, was uh-huh. Thor: Love and Thunder. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I think for me, what I had a problem with was it just was too humorous. Didn't mm-hmm. take itself seriously at all. Yeah. Um, I mean, there were characters that were dealing with some very serious issues that yeah. were, um, you know, life altering things mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, they, they, they just made jokes about it. Yeah. And Thor Ragnarok was like a perfect mix of, okay, this is calamitous. This is, you know, right. Life altering, but yet there's still some humor that's going on. This just went over the top and yeah. overboard. Yeah. I agree. I haven't seen Nope, but I have seen uh, Thor Love and Thunder. And I, too, was disappointed. And I, just to put it out there, you know, Thor Ragnarok was one of my favorite Marvel movies. Like, when I, if I were to rank them, you know, I would say uh, Thor Ragnarok and Guardians of the Galaxy are kind of right up there for me personally. Uh, me too. Yeah, those are my favorites, for sure. So, so we don't mind comedy in our superhero films. Uh, but I thought the same thing. I felt like all the serious moments were completely undermined by the jokes. And it was almost like they had no they didn't know how to let the you know, let things breathe a little bit, right? So they yeah. have a serious moment, you know, let us revel in that. Let us just kind of stir and feel some sympathy or or fear or be upset. But it was almost like in a rush. All right. You had 12 seconds of downtime. More jokes now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I felt like, uh, unfortunately, uh, Christian Bale, in my opinion, did mm-hmm. an amazing job Yeah, as Gore. Like, he, it was a great job. Right. Um, but it was kind of tampered down by all the humor and... Yeah. He could have been very horrific. Yeah. Like, they, like he was legit kind of a scary bad guy. Yeah. But he was undermined by all the comedy too. And yeah, I mean, even in the end, we don't we're not gonna spoil it, but like, you know, bad things happen, right? There's consequences. Mm-hmm. But then it's like at the end, oh, by the way, there are no consequences. Yeah. You know? That was a little bit like, okay. Like, why am I even like I'm not invested in any of these characters. Yeah. They can live or die. It doesn't matter because we can bring them back if we want to bring them back anyway. I can't go too much into it because I don't want to spoil the movie yeah, for yeah. anybody. But there's a scene at the end where it's like, okay, why did this happen any t- other time in the MCU? Yeah. It just kind of bothered me. And um, yeah, so I'm hoping some of the other movies that come out, uh, I mean, honestly, the one I'm the most excited about would either be have uh, uh, Black Panther, the sequel, uh-huh. Wakanda Forever, I think, or the new Guardians of the Galaxy movie that's coming out. Yeah. Those are the movie, the ones that I'm the most excited about, and yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully they can write things. 
Yeah, hopefully. I don't know. I think I'm in this kind of sad place, Mike, where it's kind of like a, a Marvel fatigue, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not really excited about any of these films. Yeah, that I, I think it's a problem. They're going to have to change something up, make something. It's just, I don't know if you can revisit the magic that you had mm-hmm. with the the films that took 10 years to get to, right? Yeah. Um, all the origin films. Yeah. And they all culminated into Endgame. Yeah. And the only... That was magical. That whole That was magical. Up. Yeah, it's so great. And the only one I've really enjoyed immensely would be the Spider-Man one because it took all the, you know, all the, the characters that you've watched and loved for, for years and years. And that brought mm-hmm. them together. It was just a super enjoyable movie. But to be honest with you, even before those characters came on, I was kind of like, Ooh, I don't know about this movie. Yeah. At the beginning I was kind of like, I don't know. Yeah. But then when they came on board, like everything kind of fit and it was so fun. Yeah. Great theater experience too. Cause everyone cheering and, yeah. <laughs> and yelling. Oh, I agree. That Spider-Man movie was magical. Yeah. And I think it is kind of geared towards people our age, right? Yeah. The middle aged crowd. And then guess what? Our kids grew up on those Spider-Man movies that we liked when we were younger. Yep. And so, you know, when they sprinkle in these characters from the past, it's exciting for us and our kids. Yeah. And it made a ton of money, right? That was super oh, financially yeah. successful. Yep. And then Multiverse of Madness was that was good. It just it didn't completely capitalize on what happened at, uh, in No Way Home. Mm-hmm. But You uh, see, like I didn't see that one. That, like some of these lately I'm just like, "Eh." Oh, well, I can't say I'll, anything about it then. I'll catch it when some, I catch it. Yeah. There is some cool surprises in that movie that you would that you would like. Okay. Okay. It's directed by Sam Raimi. So if you like the evil style, oh, evil, evil dead, dead style, yeah. um, which it's funny, there's actually some references to that or some callbacks to, to okay. those movies. So I will say I, I actually did like that movie, but a number of people in my family didn't. So it kind of like it dampened the fun of it a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, but <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, let so, me ask you this. On Shudder, the Creep Show series. Are you familiar with Creep Show? Well, I, I used to watch the old one all the time. Yeah, the movies? Yeah. Well, there's a, a series on Shudder. And in season two, they have kind of an Evil Dead episode. Oh. And one of the Raimi brothers are in it. And it's done like kind of an antique rodeo or roadshow. Is that what it's called? Antique mm-hmm. roadshow. And the person that's bringing it on is one of the Raimi brothers. I can't remember if it's Sam or Ted. But the thing is, it the bring- book of the dead? It's the book of the oh. dead. <laughs> oh, I gotta see that. I gotta see that. <laughs> so they open it up, and the guy that like is like uh, apprising it, you know, or, or whatever. He's like, "Oh, I actually can read this language." You know, they're recording in the same studio as like this Bob Ross character, very much clearly like Bob Ross. The, the same studio. Happy trees. Huh? He's ta- yeah, happy trees kind of guy. And they had just told him this is his last episode. Of the show. So he has a big letdown and he's he's doing his last show and then zombies are released and there's this big adventure. It's really cool. <laughs> but uh, I yeah. gotta see that. You gotta see it. Yeah, for sure. But it's, you know, it's like the other Evil Dead. It's not for the faint of heart if you're <laughs> worried about gore or yep. language. <laughs> yep.
So today we're uh, reviewing the torture chamber of Dr. Sadism, which also goes by quite a few other names from That's what right. I remember. Blood <laughs> demon. The, the and blood demon, the snake pit and the pendulum. Yes. Yes. A lot of different names. Very confusing for people who want to see this movie. <laughs> but um, just to kind of uh, give a synopsis and, uh, and kind of let you guys know what, what this is about. In the old times, Count Regula is drawn and quartered for killing 12 virgins in his dungeon torture chamber. 35 years later, he comes back to seek revenge on the daughter of his intended 13th victim and the son of his prosecutor in order to attain immortal life. And a lot of shenanigans happen in between that. That's right. That's right. Yes. Now, what was this rated on Rotten Tomatoes? This was a 35 percenter, which is not considered good. (laughs) Yes. 35 is not a good average. No. Uh, So a few things about this one. Uh, The original Western German title, and this was back when Germany was split into two countries, uh, and I'm not going to try to read German to you, but it translates to The Snake Pit and The Pendulum. And that was in 1967, and then it was released in America in 1969 as part of their drive-in circuit. So they teamed this movie up with another movie, and they put that out in the drive-ins. And they, it's, uh, it seems like a drive-in movie. Yes. Yes. And at that point, they renamed it to The Torture Chamber of Dr. Sadism. And then also, I wanted to say, like, if you see this on Amazon Prime, the cover art is a very lurid photo, you know, of this woman that's fairly well exposed. And, and I think that was part of the, what they were going for. They were trying to draw you in with the artwork and then the title, this, you know, kind of fantastic, lurid, kind of dirty uh, vibe they're going for. They're trying to bring in a certain crowd to the drive-ins. Uh, but the movie itself didn't have any nudity, didn't have anything... I don't think it, it didn't have any sex. No, it's, <laughs> it's very timid. It's crazy how there's, timid it is. There's no character called Dr. Sadism, right? There's no. only Count Regula. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of false advertising, actually. Very much so. I'm going to talk to the producers of this movie. We should. We should yeah. file a complaint. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. I will say, though, uh, from this point on, we will be talking spoilers. Yes. So if anyone has not seen this movie... Uh, please watch it and come back. Yes. Like we said, right now it's on Amazon Prime. If you're a Prime member, it is free to watch. And free is about right. What you should pay. It's the right price. That's the right price. (laughs) Yeah. When did you first see this movie, Mike? My history with this film was about a week ago. (laughs) My friend Jeff called me and said, hey, you want to do a podcast? (laughs) <laughs> um so <You> yeah <laughs> so i i saw this movie uh about three or four days ago and while i was watching the movie i was cooking dinner i was taking care of family matters and i ended up thinking wow this is a really terrible movie <laughs> and then i i started reading reviews a lot of good reviews from people that like these type of movies. And I said to myself, you know, I didn't do this movie justice. Yeah. I didn't give it, it's just, you know, what it deserves. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to watch it a second time. Okay. This time a little more focused. Yeah. 
a little more kind of in that realm or in that feeling of wanting to be spooky. Yeah. Uh, and I have to say, I, I, I liked it more the second time around. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. So I've seen this movie a total of three times. I saw it when I was around 10 years old. And we've talked before on this show about a program that used to play from Tampa Bay, Florida, called Creature Feature. And it had a horror host called Dr. Paul Bearer. And he was kind of that late morning after the, the cartoons were done. Watched, I watched Dr. Paul Bearer with my family. And this movie played. And I know I referenced this movie. I didn't even know this what, what this movie was called. Uh, and apparently it doesn't know what it's called either. Cause it's called like six different things, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I referenced this in season one, this movie having these memories of the opening 15, 20 minutes. And so that's what I remember from this film. I saw this when I was very young and it was impressionable. And the reason why I wanted to do this movie is like, I wanted to watch it again and see it as an adult and watch it with adult eyes. So I'm going to have more of a nostalgic uh, twist to it, I think, than you. Yeah. But uh, I do have very vivid memories of watching that opening scene, the dude getting the, uh, you know, the mask with spikes stuck to his face, being uh, put in the, uh, the county square. What is that called? Like basically uh, town square? Yeah, town square. And then having four horses with ropes tied to his appendages. I was that stuck with me. It's like, whoa, they do that, and then that's that's quartering. Okay, yeah. And then any late throughout, you know, as I got older and like junior high and high school, we talked through history about somebody being quartered. Guess what I would think of? I would think of this movie. <laughs> wow, history lesson. It was history. It's got educational aspects. That's to right. It. That's right. Uh, and then so I discovered it kind of by accident. You know, I saw this recommended in some of the, you know, threads that I follow. And so I watched it. I was like, oh, my gosh, it's that movie. The movie I saw when I was a kid. This is the one. So I was like, okay, somehow I want to squeeze it into our podcast. Uh, So then I watched it again right before this episode. Fun, fun, fun. (laughs) All right. Before we get started, though, I do want to roll through the cast. So Count Regula, our big baddie of this film, is played by Sir Christopher Lee. And we've yes. talked about Christopher Lee several times on this podcast, but what are some roles that he's been in that, uh, that you know him from, Mike? Never heard of him. No, I'm oh, just okay. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, actually, uh, Lord of the Rings, obviously. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, probably, I mean... Saruman. Saruman, right? Uh, yeah. It's hard to pick out a role that he's most famous for, but that would definitely be one that he is... Extremely well known for yeah Star Wars obviously Count Dooku yeah mm-hmm. um, and uh, and then Dracula yeah but uh, yeah just in reading about him I I didn't actually know that he played Frankenstein too I haven't seen that movie oh yeah so looking that was forward. actually the first Hammer Horror production where he's teamed with Peter Cushing and so they did that one first uh, and then they, then they did the first Dracula movie. But uh, he's a very good, uh, very good Frankenstein. It's a different spin because they couldn't use like the same makeup and the same look as the Universal movies. They had to do something different and they went with a different look for him as Frankenstein. So it's, it's interesting. It's pretty cool. We'll have to review that one. Yeah, I think so. Uh, he was also in a James Bond movie. He was a baddie 
and that one too. He oh. was a uh, Scaramango, or I'm, I'm sure I'm killing that name, but uh, in the Man with a Golden Gun. Does that one sound familiar? Yeah, I've seen all the the James Bond movies, and I'm just realizing I'm realizing that now that he was <laughs> the villain. But yeah, interesting. The Man with a Golden Gun. Yeah, and he was the title character of that. Uh, he was in a lot of things. He was also in the Willy Wonka movie that Tim Burton directed. He was uh, Johnny Depp's, Willy Wonka's dad. He, he kind of plays like a jerk in that, too. <laughs> was he also in the Johnny Depp uh, movie about the um, Plan 9 from outer space? Oh, in Ed Wood? I'm trying to remember. Was he in Ed Wood? I don't remember him in Ed Wood. I know he was in The Corpse Bride. He did the voice for like the... Maybe that's what I'm thinking The of. clergyman in, the, in their town. Uh, but also, so we had uh, Karen Dorr. She plays Baroness Lillian von uh, Brabant. And she also plays the mom. You know, the mom of Lillian and the daughter. Same actress. Yep. And I remember her from another Bond movie, You Only Live Twice. And she was one of those bad girls that James Bond kind of woos into becoming, you know, on his side. So a lot of Bond people in this movie. Apparently. <laughs> Actually, I think it's just those two. Oh, okay. Uh, so Lex Barker, he plays our hero in this film. He plays uh, Roger Montelis. Uh, but have you seen Lex Barker in anything? You know, I I, uh, I believe I had seen him in Tarzan or from clips of Tarzan. Just, uh-huh. um, but I, I don't know if I watched the whole thing. I don't know. I just have visions yeah. or, or I... I have Memories. seen him visually as Tarzan before. Yeah. So. That was another early Saturday morning thing. I remember watching those old Tarzan movies. Yeah. Yeah, I think he looked familiar too. But I, that's the only thing I know him from. Uh, Carl Lang plays Anas- Anatole. And he is basically Count Regula's henchman. And he's a, actual, he's a German actor. We did talk about this earlier. He's a, this movie is a West German production so Karen Dorr is German, Carl Lang is German, Christiane Rucker, who plays Babette, she's also German. She's kind of Lillian's uh, maidservant or something. Yeah, maidservant, yeah. And I'll try to look up what she was in. She has 62 credits to her name, but they're almost all European films that I haven't seen. <laughs> Successful actors. Yeah, yeah, she made a living. Uh, and then Vladimir Med- Medar plays Peter Fabian, but he's the guy that plays the priest in the beginning. And then we find out later on in the movie that he's the robber. Yes. All right. Now we get into standouts, things about this movie that you really liked. So, Mike, I'll turn it over to you first. What are some standouts that you would like to call out? So, for me, as you could probably already tell, I'm not like, I was not totally exuberant about this movie. But uh, there's two things I'd want to point out. Uh, One is I actually did really like the direction, Mm -hmm. uh, especially in the beginning. Yeah. Um, It just was kind of like there was a scene where it was like looking through the legs of the executioner at the victim. Yeah. Um, There was a scene where um, the... I'm sorry, the uh, henchman, uh, I can't remember his name now, um, Anatol, where he was like looking through the hole at, uh, you know, at our our vixen, right? Yeah, yeah. 
And as she, Lillian. as he's pulling the board out, yeah, and he's got this smile on his face of just pure, <laughs> pure enjoyment. Lead. Yeah, but it was just, just his face. <laughs> Such, I mean, like that was really good direction. Yeah, it was. And um, there's a couple scenes where it's just like coming from below, and um, I, I love how they're looking down upon um, Roger as he is, uh, you know, about to have the pendulum come down. There's that yeah. little, like, not an eyeglass, but a, uh-huh. a peephole, I guess. Right. Uh, towards uh, Roger as he's about to be, you know, Yeah, because uh, Lily's sliced. like looking down at him. Yeah. You know, and that was part of the thing. She, you know, the uh, Count Regula wanted her to be super afraid. Super afraid, yeah. Yeah. And so she's seeing that. Yeah, that was definitely a cool shot. But, you know, there's some random, for such a silly movie, some random really good directing that yeah. I thought was there, uh-huh. uh, which was surprising. Uh, the other aspect that, um, and hopefully I'm not stealing your thunder, but... No, no, of course. I, I absolutely loved the carriage ride to the castle. Oh, yeah. And there were some... Um, and I guess this kind of plays into the directing as well. There were some scenes where, you know, like the, you're going by these trees and they had all these body parts, uh, uh-huh. but it wasn't like you could see them really well. They, they, they were blurry. Uh-huh. They were, they were not clear. Yeah. And I loved that because it made you, cause there was that, um, Carriage ride, uh, I'm sorry, carriage. Uh, Is it like the driver? Carriage driver, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I couldn't think of that. Carriage driver, that's, he's, you know, he's ultra scared. So you have to think to yourself, is he, uh, you know, is he imagining this? Yeah. Is, you it's know, unclear, or, or is this real? And I think it became clear that it was real mm-hmm. towards the end because eventually, you know, they saw the hanged people as well, the, the carriage. Uh, um, Occupants. Yeah. So they got out, they checked it out. Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely, and you know, Kim couldn't make this episode, but she watched the film and she said that was the creepiest part of this whole movie. It was that carriage ride that you're talking yeah. about. Super cool. Yeah. And you mentioned the, the visuals. I think that was a highlight for me. Um, you know, that the interesting camera work you already talked about, so I won't hit that again, but um, I liked the visual of the deep contrast of the film. And I've talked about this several times. For whatever reason, I just really love that 1960s take on horror where uh, the contrast of the, the film itself. The colors. The colors. The, yeah. the reds are bright and the whites are like brilliant and the darks are super, super dark. And I love that. You know, and I think we've gotten in, you know, we've fallen in love with pulling colors out of modern film. Thor Love and Thunder was a good example. Right, yeah. right. And, you know, I like the colors. Bring them on. You yeah. Know? Uh, and then, you know, I mentioned that first 10, 15 minutes, that opening scene. That movie could have been a classic horror film. That first 10 or 15 minutes could yeah. have been in a classic horror film. Something that everybody loves and talks about today. Like it was done so well. And I'll talk about this later, but the standouts kind of merge with the setbacks a little bit. There's kind of bleeding between the two because that beginning was so good that the rest of the movie, I think, had a hard time living up to it. Yeah. Count Regula, you know, being sentenced to death. Uh, he puts this curse. I'm, I'm going to basically terrorize your family. 
this isn't the end. And then they stick that mask on there. And that's a creepy mask with a yeah. smile on it. Yeah. And then just the whole having his limbs tied up to the four horses and everything. Uh, and then, boom. Of course, they don't show you know Christopher Lee's no, arms being ripped off. No, but I love it. They actually show him lift up in the air. And yeah. it's like, oh, you, you almost want to turn away. Yeah. But it does it for you. Yeah. 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 So this movie, like, if it had continued with that level of excellence... Could have been like a classic. Like it really could have been awesome. And so I, I call that first 15 minutes out as a standout because mm-hmm. I think it is awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, and we'll get to the setbacks later, but I, I think the film couldn't live up to what they had established early. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree with that. Uh, any other standouts you want to mention? Uh, Christopher Lee is in this movie. Mm-hmm. And he's great. But to me, he was not the best actor in this film okay it was the henchman that we just mentioned oh yeah anatole anatole that guy stole the show yeah he was so spooky and <laughs> like it was that directing where he was l- laughing or smiling and just had this super evil look on his face yeah as he's pulling the board away that and like when he's um, laughing because he's been shot at uh, the the goofy guy who I, I, Peter Fabian is. I don't remember him being called Peter, but basically the yeah, the priest, the priest, fake priest, fake yeah. priest. Yeah. So that guy was so good. He was so creepy throughout the whole movie, and maybe yeah. it's because he was in the movie more. I don't know. Yeah. But um, Christopher Lee did a great job. He was fine. But he wasn't in the movie a whole lot. But he wasn't in the movie a whole lot. And that guy just kind of like, he, you know, he's in the disguise and, you yeah. know, during the scene where there's um, the burnt castle uh-huh. or burnt uh, house or whatever it was. He was just really good. I yeah. kind of liked him. He was <laughs> honestly the, the the actor that had the most character, I thought. Yeah, yeah. No, I could see that. I could see that. Uh, you know, I actually liked the priest. I know you felt like, uh, you mentioned earlier, you felt like he kind of overacted a lot. Yeah. Uh, I have to say, I did prefer him as kind of that naughty clergyman. You know, the guy that's like, he's a priest, but he's sipping drinks of alcohol. You know, he's seems to be kind of wise in the ways of the world with women. He creeped me out, man. Did he? Oh my gosh. He's carrying a pistol. How did he creep you out? I don't know. There was lots of things where it was like, it was just so strange. And maybe it was because he wasn't actually a priest, but like there was one point where he was like, oh, I see the carriage of women over there. Things really just got interesting. (laughs) 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 And then now at the very end where, when he pulls up in the carriage, there's like been no romantic Oh, yeah. Interaction between him and Babette. Yeah. And he's like, like putting his arm around her, kissing her. And yeah. I have to say, I wonder if the actress was even cool with it because that that lady <laughs> looked so uncomfortable. Yeah. And she, <laughs> it's, it was so awkward. Yeah. Yeah. No, I could see that totally. Like, w- even at the end of the film, I was like, I told Kim, there's no way that that guy ends up with Babette. Yeah. You it know? was just so, uh, unless, it was so awkward. Unless, like, she's just so used to being a maidservant and, like, she's kind of beaten down, 
And like, there's doesn't seem to be a ton of guys in the area. Like, she doesn't have a whole lot of options. Yeah, she's gonna go with the robber. You know, the guy that the yeah. guy that used to be a pretend priest. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. Is he was like a bad guy. Like, right? He's like pretended this whole time, and everything they knew about this guy was fake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he even stole the freaking cross. You know. He did. <laughs> Like he fell into her chest and grabbed the cross and yeah. stole it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, for these old movies, maybe I make allowances for it, but I felt like his comedy wasn't annoying. And sometimes, you know, in a serious movie, comedy can be a, kind of grating and annoying. And, like, I felt like his comedy, like, there wasn't, like, a, a guffaw that happened, you know? Like, yeah. oh, that was so hilarious, what he just said. But it was, like, it was enough that it, I found him to be endearing. And, like, okay, I wanted him to live. I was a little disappointed. Like I said, I preferred him as the clergyman. I think they should have just left him as the clergyman. Yeah. But at some point, they switched him over to the robber. I'm not even sure why they made that decision for this yeah. film. It would have been cooler if he was just a gun-carrying clergyman that was yeah. a little frisky with the ladies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would have been better, yeah. Because I think that was funny, right? Yeah. I mean, that was part yeah. of his comedy. Yeah. Uh, you know, one other standout I'll mention is basically this nails the whole gothic creepy vibes. So not scary, but yeah. just that creepy. And... You know, I think, and we'll talk about this later, but they throw everything but the kitchen sink at this movie, right? <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> they throw everything they can. So they have a bad guy who raises from the dead through dark magic. That's pretty creepy. Yeah. They have this evil henchman that you talked about, Anatol, uh, who can't die, and he kind of self-heals a la Wolverine, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, like he gets shot, and he's like, like you said, he's laughing. And you see, it's kind of a goofy goofy effect shot where the bullet hole, like... Eh, it's for the times. It's, yeah. That is what it is. Uh, you know, they have this haunted house with doors that kind of open and close. And so e either the house is haunted, or these bad guys can use the force and like, like just make things move with their mind or something. Yeah. Uh, they have that haunted force that you talked about very, very well. The very eerie, uh, with human limbs attached to the trees. So there was definitely some. That was creepy, right? Yeah. Probably, oh yeah. They had this mad scientist element to the movie. Uh, yeah. Remember in the you know Count Regula isn't like a traditional vampire or anything. Uh, he wants the human blood, but he wants it for this formula that's going to give him like eternal life. And they have this whole science lab set up and it's pretty massive you know it's not like one beaker or anything it's like this huge setup uh which is pretty elaborate it's pretty uh, cool actually I, I, I like the setup of that i thought it's pretty cool and you know there was a lot of precision involved it had to be done within a certain amount of time or else it's all done you know like yeah. it's no good anymore uh which i thought was cool uh again you know we're talking about the gothic creepy vibes this movie had it leaned into the the Edgar Allan Poe stuff, like the actual pit of yep. snakes and the pendulum. That was neat. And then, you know, I mentioned this when we were having dinner tonight. This movie goes the extra mile. Like he doesn't just need virgin blood. He needs the blood of virgins who are freaked out, <laughs> super scared. Which I actually, I love that. I, I think yeah. that's cool. Yeah. yeah. It, it's part of, it plays into that mad scientist type thing. 
Yeah. You know, so Count Regula, he's not like a normal, he's not like Count Dracula, even though the name is ridiculously a knockoff, right? Yeah. uh, (laughs) That that was honestly the first thought that popped in my head when I was watching this movie is, oh man, I ordered Dracula from Wish and I got Regula. Regula. (laughs) It's kind of like Count Chocula, you know? (laughs) No, and I, I get it. Again, the the standouts kind of lead into the setbacks. Like, they're all over the place. You know, they throw everything at the wall to see what sticks. And at the root of this story, this is a mad scientist. He's got all of this. He's found a formula. He's figured out through dark magic that if he gets the blood of 13 virgins who are, like, afraid out of their wits, you know, then he can have everlasting life. Right? Yep. Which is a pretty cool story if I were to, in the pitch meeting, if I was to pitch that to you, you'd be like, let's do that movie. That sounds great. Yeah, because you got to amp up the fear factor, right? Yeah. Yeah. The payoff isn't there because they don't lean into that story enough. Uh, any other standouts you wanted to mention? You know, I would say the, uh, the pendulum scene was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. You know, just watching him struggle, I thought he did a good job. There was one shot where he, he had this weird smile on his face, which I thought was a little strange. But uh, overall, I thought it was a good tense scene yeah. where, you know, he's digging for the rock and, you know, he manages to get it right in the, at the right moment and, uh, and hits the, the anvil and it does an amazing job of swirling just in the uh, pattern that it needs to cut the rope in the middle of his chest, which is absolutely ridiculous. But um, in, in the actual Edgar Allan Poe story, like food is left for him and he smears like grease from the meat on the rope and the rats that you see, which I found it odd that there was rats like Uh in that scene, like you see rats scurrying around. Right. Uh, but the rats come and gnaw the rope, but that wouldn't have worked for the scene that they were going for. No, no. So they were trying to bring out the terror in her. Yeah. She could be sacrificed and have that terrified blood that uh, count regular needed. Exactly. Which oddly enough, that didn't work. Right. They had to go a little step further. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe she didn't care about Roger as much as we thought she did. Um, like she just met him in the last 48 hours, right? <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> Yeah. That's another uh we'll talk about that. Yeah, in a yeah, yeah. Uh but, but I actually kind of laughed at this scene that you're talking about because uh like it's cool that it, he did it and the precision was there and it, he got free, which is pretty smart, you know, it worked out. But I thought like I couldn't help but to think of the physics of this. Yeah. You know, he couldn't move his elbow. So all of that throw had to happen with his wrist. And how heavy of a rock would it have to be to throw this thing up in the air and knock that pendulum off its uh, off its swing pattern? Hey, man, this guy was Tarzan before. <laughs> That's right? true. Come on. He's very strong. <laughs> Monkey man. Yeah, but can you imagine picking up a 10-pound we- weight and throwing it with your wrist? How far could you throw that? The guy swung <laughs> around on ropes or uh, vines. <laughs> yeah, he did. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Maybe not in the movie, but yeah. Well, uh, no, I, I, can, I can back you on that. I think that's pretty cool. Um, let's get into setbacks now. 
So why don't you go first? Uh, what are some setbacks that you'd like to, to mention to our audience here? You know, I, I, I do realize this is a scary movie, right? Yeah. So people make wrong choices. They they follow the trail of blood instead of run away, right? That's right. The, the normal <laughs> horror story trope. Uh, but, I mean, a, a door opens in a cemetery and there's spikes on the roof and you're going to go in? Yeah. <laughs> you know, come on. Yeah. Um, I think they had just rescued Babette. And they were going down a hallway, and she screams and runs away from them. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. That exactly. was the scene, too. I was like, they literally just saved you, and you're going to run away from them? Because like, of skulls in a wall. Skulls in a wall. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah. It's like, no, I think I would be staying with my friends. Safety in numbers. Exactly. Yeah. Not... Um, not realistic. I mean, I guess it could be realistic, but man, how stupid. <laughs> yeah, very stupid. <laughs> what keeps this from being a great horror film? Okay. I have a good point about that. Okay. Um, I would say, for me, a good horror film starts out as being creepy from the beginning. Uh-huh. And it starts with the music. Yeah. And this movie had me and didn't have me in different spots with music. Okay. The beginning of the movie, like, I, I don't know what they were thinking, but it was just, I felt like I was in Little House of the Prairie uh, sometimes uh-huh. with some of the music. Uh-huh. It was so cheesy and yeah. so... A- after the quartering scene is what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um was not a fan of that music, but then it's funny because later the music actually got me where, um, I felt like, um, I was in a, a ride at Disney. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it felt like, you know, what's that ride? I'm thinking the haunted of mansion? the haunted mansion. I felt like the haunted <laughs> mansion. Um, but it was just a little uneven, I guess maybe. Yeah. Yeah. No, I could see that. It was uneven. Like we talked about, the beginning was so spectacular. Yeah. The rest of the movie couldn't really live up to that. But then there was that carriage ride where there's body parts in the forest. That was amazing. But then after that, it didn't. there's things that don't make sense. And I guess that leads me to my big setback I want to, to mention, is the plot doesn't really make sense. <laughs> yeah. Like beyond just normal horror movies don't make sense. Like it really doesn't make sense. So Count Regula needs a 13th virgin to come alive, right? Like he needs a, the blood of a 13th virgin, virgin to kill. 13 is an unlucky number, so that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I guess that part does make sense. But he has this kooky plan, and that 13th virgin has to be the girl that is the daughter of the one that got away. Even though, like... That doesn't make any sense. You know, he was going to kill the 13th virgin and then he would have had that immortal life. So this is just something that he wanted to bake into his plan. So he had this crazy, crazy plan that I want this 13th virgin's blood to be the daughter of the one that got away. And by the way, the judge that sentenced me to death, I want him present to see this whole thing happen. That just doesn't make sense. I I have an idea for you. Just have the 13th virgin be anybody that's a virgin. Kill them. Get immortal life. And then go exact your revenge on these people. You had Babette, man. 
Just yeah. kill Babette. Just kill Babette. <laughs> Was Babette a virgin then? Oh. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right. I don't know. We'll, we'll move on from there. But, uh, you know, his henchman had this elixir that he took that made him have basically immortality. Right, some sort of immortality because he had that. He was immortal. He was already immortal. They didn't even need the thirteenth victim. (laughs) He didn't need any virgins. He just drank this potion and he survived a hanging and a shooting. Yeah, and he still had half a bottle left. Remember when he held it up? There was oh yeah. Why didn't the master count regular take that? Uh, Oh, so here's the other thing. Why wait so long to come back? The henchman's been alive for all these years, waiting for this to happen. That didn't really make sense. They didn't really explain that. Maybe they just found the two people that he wanted to get revenge on. Yeah. Again, it was a stupid plan. Just get your immortality. I I think it's just his revenge got in the way of him. He wanted revenge almost more than he wanted immortality, maybe. Yeah. But you know what? He had premeditated this with that one-legged man that we saw. And... Uh, his henchman here and all of this remember the henchman says I did everything according to your instructions this is a very precise plan yeah you're right and he did all that before he spoke his kind of curse over the judge this so crazy okay, why, why not be immortal while you're exacting your revenge is basically what you're getting to that's where I'm getting at yeah. your immortality that would have been better that would have made more sense yeah, but the, the the interesting thing is the henchman, uh, An- Anatole, Anatole? Uh-huh. Yeah, Anatole. Uh, he had already killed off uh, Roger's whole family. He had, except for Roger. Except for Roger. Who was probably the biggest, strongest one of the bunch. Yeah. It seems like he would have saved a weakling for Count Regula to... Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. It didn't make sense. Uh, and so, and also, I guess part of this that aggravated me was in this age which is a fairly religious period in europe's history like a lot of people had crosses for the whole thing to become unraveled because one lady wears a cross for them to be so repelled by the symbol of the cross i just think they would have figured that into the plan somehow yeah and it's it's actually it's kind of worse than like even with vampires or dracula right because like with that, like it's only when they sh- like shove it in his face, right? Yeah. It's not like the power of Dracula is drained because of the cross. The cross. So it was I, covered up, even. Yeah, it wasn't even visible. Yeah, that's when we discovered why he uh, like, oh. fell over on her in a weird way that I thought yeah. was really creepy when I first saw it. <laughs> Thinking, why didn't he fall on Roger? That's kind of strange. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, at the root of the story, you have a great mad scientist story, and he needs uh, the the blood of thirteen virgins to become immortal. And it's not that he's evil, like in the sense of Dracula, like I thirst for blood. It's like it's like a practical evil. I need the blood, this blood, to create this formula, and then if I take this, then I'm immortal. And I feel like that's the root of the story. And they didn't exploit that enough. Instead, they kind of got lost with, oh, we're going to just throw a bunch of spooky stuff. They, they should have just kind of explained, well, the 13th victim has to be a, like a personal villain of yours or a, 
an enemy, S- yeah. Something that um, made it the ultimate uh, aspect of things. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Can, can I point out one other thing that I thought was just maybe a, even a mistake? Sure. And I was so confused, but I rewound it so many times uh-huh. that I was just like, what is going on here? There was a point, it was at the very end, where the uh, regular uh, uh-huh. told the henchman to go puncture the neck of Lillian. Uh-huh. Lillian? Yeah. And get, the, get her blood. Uh-huh. And... Anatola, Anatola, uh-huh. walks over to what I thought was her, but it was a mannequin. Yeah. Did That's you notice true. that? Yeah, that seemed like a mistake. Yeah. And then, like, it cuts back to Regula, Count Regula, and then it, it, he goes the other direction and goes to Lillian, who's actually a live actress. Yeah. I was so, like, confused like was he practicing on the mannequin yeah was that meant to be in there was that a mistake yeah i was so confused by that yeah was I it? Round, I, seriously i rewound it like five or six times yeah trying to figure out what the heck was going on there yeah now kim was in the same place she pointed that out like what what's the deal with the the mannequin yeah is that supposed to be her like did she take the day off from filming you know uh-uh. <laughs> They're just like, hey, that, don't worry about it. This mannequin will fill in for you. I mean, I've pointed out how good the director did, but if that was seriously a mistake, I mean, maybe, maybe that's an editing mistake. It's a pretty big one. But that was like, what in the world? <laughs> you know what? There's another mistake in the movie. I don't know if you caught it, but I caught it live. It's when uh, Count Regula is coming back to life. So all of his appendages like yeah. snap back to his, his yeah. body. And the coffin door opens, you see a hand opening the coffin. So this is part of that, like, is he using the force or something? Like, how is he just opening things? Wait, where's the hand? So the hand isn't attached to any of our actors. It's clearly, like, just somebody opening the coffin to try to, hey, we're going to go for a creepy effect. But you physically see the hand. You have to go back and watch it. Go look for I gotta see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a hand in the in the right hand corner. That you're like, I don't think that was supposed to make the final cut. <laughs> was it wearing a green glove? Oh, that was yeah. before that time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't we get to this? Uh, why don't we jump into our yays or nays? Then um, you know I'll get us started. Then you can you can follow Mike if you're cool with it. But um, you know, should you see this movie or not? I think the thing is. Like, what are you looking for from a film? This is a B-movie, right? This is a West German, you know, low-budget production. And I feel like uh, B-movies don't turn me off. If something is done pretty well for the budget that they have, uh, you know, I can respect it and I can go along with it. And I felt like it was very ambitious for a low-budget film. Like, all the things they try to cram in... You know, just even like you mentioned, like the shot where they try to uh, like have that self-healing stuff and the, the forest with all the body parts and the, the quartering scene at the beginning and all that it was extremely ambitious for, um, you know, for a low budget film. Again, it's a qualifier 
for a B movie, I feel like this is a really good B movie. But is it a great film? Is it in the top 50? Is it in the top 100? Is it in the top 200? The answer is no. (laughs) What about you, Mike? What What do you think? So... I, I definitely agree with what you're saying. I, I, I think that you have to be in the right, right frame of mind. I, I started out by saying uh, in the beginning of this podcast that, you know, I watched the movie. I was not really paying as much attention to it that I should have been. I was trying to cook dinner and stuff. Then I uh-huh. decided, you know, after reading some of the, the fans of the movie talk about it, I was like, I, I, I didn't give this movie enough credit or enough, uh, of a chance. Uh-huh. And I started watching it again in a, you know, a better situation and it definitely was better. Um, I would say you have to view this movie, uh, in the lens of the ride at Disney, the haunted mansion. Which, yeah. Um, right. Cause everyone loves that ride because it's so cheesy and, uh, you love it for the the colors and the spectacle and the fact that um, it's just whacked out crazy, uh, you know, haunted mansion type stuff. Yeah. And so it's hard for me to say an exact yay because I think you have to view it in that um, in that way. Right. But if you are not going to view it that way, I would say a nay, <laughs> because you won't enjoy it, and it'll be a waste of time, and you'll, yeah, you know. If you, if you only have time to watch one movie for the week, is this a film you gather your whole family together? Hey, family, this is the movie that we're going to watch tonight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is probably isn't that movie, right? Funny thing is, my my son was watching the first time with me. Uh, while I was cooking dinner and doing other things. And he was like, what is this movie? This is really bad. So <laughs> you really have to be like in a dark room, like trying to just focus on the movie. And maybe it'll be a little better, but you're right, Jeff. I mean, it's a B movie. Yeah, You can't get past a B movie. Right. Uh, def- not not top even 300, right? <laughs> it's kind of like almost like Transformers, right? If you're going to go see a Transformers movie, you have to know what you're getting into. <laughs> you're going to go watch robots that are fake fight on yeah. the screen. And that's what you like about it, right? Yeah, yeah. If yeah. you go see the movie and you don't like that, well, you were stupid for buying the ticket. <laughs> so, 100%. Yeah. We had just a few comments about this film on our social media, so I'll go ahead and read those. So, Wretched Realm said, good movie with a fire emoji. Ooh. Yeah. A a fan. fan. Yes. Uh, Ranger Cosplay, a.k.a. Russell. I saw him this weekend, by the way. Um, It was at Tampa Bay Comic Con. So, hey, Russell, if you're listening. He said, just started this movie last night. So, Russell, you didn't comment back and tell you what 
Tell us what you really thought about the film, though. I think the silence speaks volumes. (laughs) (laughs) If you can't say anything good, don't say anything at all. Uh, And then our final comment I'll read is, Office of Pop Culture said, Solid movie. Karen Dorr looks gorgeous. Lex Barker is kind of stodgy, but not distractingly so. Stodgy. What does that mean? That's a good British word. I feel. I think it's kind of like uptight. Uptight, or, yeah. Kind you know, of stiff. Stiff, not really accessible. I like that word. Good comment. It That's is an amazing. Good comment. <laughs> yeah. I'm used to Kim doing this part, but I'll go ahead and give it a go. Next episode, we are going to review the movie Soylent Green. It takes place in the year 2022, and we are in the year 2022, so we had to squeeze it in this season. Uh, It is a 1973 American ecological dystopian thriller starring Charlton Heston, Lee Taylor Young, and Edward G. Robinson in his final film role. So check that out. Come back, and we will review it together. Kim will be back. I do want to thank Mike for joining us and doing this episode with us. It was a lot of fun. Thank you, sir. And we will see you next time. Happy movie watching. Peace out. (laughs) 